Hey, it's Mark Whitlock with the Pirate Monk Podcast. Before we get to today's episode, I just wanted to stop in and let you know about a couple of things. First of all, if you've seen on Facebook or uh, in email, uh, you know that Nate Larkin was recently taken to the hospital with some heart issues. He had 99% blockage in one of his arteries and had to have a stent put in. He's resting at home, and the game at home right now is... How do we keep Nate's computer away from him? He's trying to do some work, and uh, they're trying to keep him uh, in bed and resting comfortably. Uh, The second announcement uh, is that we only have 21 spaces. That's right, only 21 spaces remain for the After the Miracle Retreat coming up August 19th through 21st in Colorado. We want you to be a part of that. Uh, Only just a few days, only 18 days are left to register for that event. Uh, So the spots are going fast. We want you to sign up. So come to PirateMonkPodcast.com. Click on After the Miracle and register today. Uh, You can find all the details about what uh, the cost is and what you get for that great cost. Uh, We've tried to keep that as low as possible so as many men as possible could come. Uh, So please continue to pray for Nate and his recovery. And also please register for the After the Miracle event at PirateMonkPodcast.com. The following episode was recorded on May 18th of this year, and we're finally getting around to publishing it for you. Enjoy. Another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, it's true. We found a way to reconvene this uh, meeting of the Sanhedrin. Uh, we are uh, we're not we're, we're not in the treehouse anymore. Nope. Uh, our executive producer Mark Whitlock has moved us to. I don't know what we're going to dub this place. I, I, we'll, we'll figure that we'll, out the okay. days to come. All right. Okay. Uh, but I'm sitting next to a giant. Uh, photograph of a rope bridge across a ravine. It looks, I, I'm queasy just looking at this thing. <laughs> it, it is it is room dominating. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it almost feels life, life-size to stand here and look across the bridge and go, okay, is am I going to live the scene from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but really kind of a metaphor for my life, though. You know, I feel like I've spent a few years on that bridge trying to get from one side to the other. With the anyway, creaky boards and the, yeah, the strings that pop and all that stuff. That's right. And the sudden breezes that come up and, uh, and occasionally you look down and what the hell happens if I fall? Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, Aaron is joining us from California. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It is It is good. We are nearing the end of the school year. And when you homeschool three out of five days a week, that means parents get a summer just like kids. So it's great. Fine, final stretch. And the kids have, have been getting antsy. I have to take them out, uh, at least a couple of them, to do homeschool. Like yesterday we sat at the estuary in Morro Bay and sat in lawn chairs and did uh, homeschool. And last week we went up to Hearst Castle and did Homeschool, got to do it. Got to do it somewhere other than home at this point. Wow, homeschool at Hearst Castle. That's nice. Got, that's got to be amazing. It's it. You know what? I I drive around here constantly and and do not miss the fact that I love where I live. Yeah, yeah. I love where you live too, man. Uh, you know, 
Allie and I are actually affected by the end of school, even though our kids are long uh, gone, because we've got three grandkids that live a block away. And when school is out, that means they've got time to come and see us. Uh-huh. So to prepare for that, I got the I've got the uh, the backyard spa up and running again. Nice, uh, with a full complement of pool toys, all that kind of stuff. And then we had to retire the the swing set, the play set in the front yard. That's one that we got from friends. That was old and uh, creaky, and uh, probably really a hazard. So. Uh, we had it torn down, which took all of two minutes. I mean, it was just, it was, it was in that bad of shape, just kind of breathed hard on it and it fell down. And so we purchased this kit online. So it can it provided all the hardware and the swings and stuff. And then all you got to do is buy the lumber. We didn't really price it out really smart before we did it. Cause you know, the hardware was like 500 bucks and the lumber is holy smokes. You know, it's another five, 600 bucks. And Ugh. turns out this thing is so big. It completely dominates the yard. It makes our house... It looks like I'm building an ark in the yard, basically. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got Nate Almighty. It's, yeah. the, uh, it's the third installment of the movie. Yeah. So uh, if a tornado should come through Franklin, my house might not survive, but this playset will. <laughs> Forget going to the Bunga Nut Pig during tornado warnings. Just grab onto Nate's play structure. (laughs) Yeah, for those who don't understand that reference, there is um, uh, a pub a block from our house that's in it's in the basement of a of a of a cool building. It's called the Bunga Nut Pig, and that's our tornado shelter since we don't have a basement. Uh Aha. So. Yeah, well, I pray for tornado well, Nate, warnings. I'm, I'm so confused, though, Nate. I've never heard the word bunga nut. What does that mean? That's that's an Australian term, and an Aust- and, and um, a bunga nut pig is a pig with three testicles. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I've learned my something new for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> so much for that. So, uh, immediately, though, I want like, does it have to be a pig, or can anybody be a bunga nut? Is yeah, it just, yeah, you know, yeah. And, you can be a bunganut. Uh, that's more information than I want to know, but it's it's well, conceivable. I, I would that, need I would need a procedure for it, but I'd do it. Why okay. not? You Come can be on. the bunganut. Everybody preacher. needs to be special. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like the bunganut special at the doctor today. <laughs> nice. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, I, I I have I have visited uh, Nate and Allie during I I think two tornado warnings and uh thoroughly enjoyed both of them yeah as we go down to the bunga nut pig <laughs> have, have a pig. couple beers and play play cards <laughs> <laughs> well mark has anything at all transpired in your personal life since our last episode any 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 Let's small see. changes well i got anything? a tattoo okay i got my first tattoo <laughs> all right and what did you get tattooed my friend I got a wedding band tattooed on my finger. On your finger, which is a good thing. Yes. All right. (laughs) Because that means that I've gotten married. Uh So uh, the woman... uh, Yes, Aaron? Hey, congratulations was what comes after that. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, The woman that uh, I have been uh, involved with for the last few months, uh, we had been talking about a fall wedding and, and talking with... Um, several people in her life, including the man that uh, I would have to seek permission for or seek her hand from. Um, 
Uh, he's a fan of of quick engagements and uh-huh. just encouraged us to uh, go ahead and um, just just go for it and uh, get on with living. And so we did. Uh, we were going to elope, uh, but um, that plan had a few hiccups in it, and so we ended up postponing it for three days. And instead of it being four people and a pastor, it ended up being 17 people. Uh, but uh, enjoyed it, and uh, second marriages are hard. There is no honeymoon period right. in a second marriage. Uh, it's just real life from day one. Real life and, right uh, away. We, we went in with our eyes not just open, but absolutely wide open and uh, uh, have been in, in, in solid counseling um, since even before um, the nuptials and, and, and everything else. And it's hard, but it's really good. And it is, it is so starkly different from any other relationship I've ever had. Um, and uh, I'm grateful beyond belief uh, for, uh, for my marriage and for being embraced by my stepkids. I did not know what that was going to even look like. And uh, that's been a blessing. However, my children are, you know, three adult children and one teenager are struggling mightily with it. And uh, that it makes Heather quite sad. Uh, but we'll get there. Um, you know, all these things are new and, and time will time will transpire. And um, I, I, I believe my kids will will come around. All right. Meanwhile, we'll awesome. have fodder for future podcasts. Oh, buddy. Sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, nice. Well, not not that uh, today's episode is going to be a one-to-one on this, but we are talking about marriage today. And uh, so this is, this is an exciting spot to take a break and transition into the meat of today's Pirate Monk Podcast. Shattered. Like you've never been before The life you knew In a thousand pieces on the floor And words fall short in times like these But this world drives you to your knees You think you're never gonna get back To the you they used to be Tell your heart to beat again Close your eyes and breathe it in Let the shadows fall away Step into the light of grace Yesterday is a closing door You don't live there anymore Say goodbye to where you've been And tell your heart to beat again Let that word wash over you It's alright now Love's healing hands have pulled you through So get back up, take step one Leave the darkness, feel the sun Cause your story's far from over And your journey's just begun
everything for your good. Tell your heart to beat again. Close your eyes and breathe it in. Let the shadows fall away. Step into the light of grace. And we're back on the Pirate Monk podcast, and today we have a listener question about marriage. And as always, marriage, marriage is yeah. what brings us together today. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, what's, we're going to leave the uh, the listener survey up for uh, for all time, um, but you can come on and, and ask us your questions. Tell us about guests you want. Just let us know your your entire experience. Uh, and this this question did come through. Uh, the listener survey. You can also ask questions on our Facebook page or send us emails. And the email address is piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. So please uh, keep those cards and letters coming, as they used to say. Uh, this is a, a hard question from a listener. And okay. uh, he didn't put a whole lot in his survey responses, but he did leave us this question and said, Guys, I'd love some help understanding how to live and love a wife with mental illness. Mm. Now, we don't know, because he left no contact information, we don't know any more about it. We don't know if it's depression or bipolar disorder or something something else. Mm-hmm. But we know that he's loving a woman in a hard place. Yeah. And uh, that that speaks to so many of us yeah. uh, who've walked through these areas. So we thought we, we would address that today. So no matter where you are uh, in your marriage spectrum, Right. Uh, from you know newlywed and the bliss of that to hard places where you've you've been challenged or maybe you're in a second marriage like me, I think today's conversation is really going to help us and, and guide us um, to, to at least ask the right questions yeah, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah. And if your wife's not mentally ill, uh, you probably are. <laughs> uh huh. All we, right. We don't mean to make any light of that. No, either. no, no. We don't. Trust we don't. me. No. Trust me. Uh, hey, uh, Aaron, I know you have really devoted a good amount of deep thought and even put pen to paper in the past on the topic of marriage, its purpose. Uh, how would you open this conversation? I, I think this is such an important question, and I think it relates to those, uh, you know, if your wife is ill, whether it's mentally ill or physically ill, uh, that that can give you a bit of a martyr's excuse, as we've talked about recently mm-hmm. on the show. Um, but at least it gives a, a reason for some of your disappointment or pain or struggles. For the rest of the husbands out there, and this is the rest of the husbands out there, you really have many of the same struggles. You just don't have any uh, excuse within the package of your pain. And so there's probably a lot more confusion as to why. Why am I going through this? Why is my marriage not better? 
So I, I think this does apply to everyone, but we have to take a couple steps back um, to what, as a Christian, what should my expectations uh, for life be? What am I supposed to be about in my life? Because the thing I'm going to spend the most time in, uh, or one of the main things, is is my marriage. In my life, that's where I'm going to put tons of time and energy. So if I back up to what what am I supposed to do as a Christian? What is this supposed to be about? Uh, you know, Jesus told us what what's the biggest. If I have one command to follow, what is it, guys? Love God, Rabbi. What is the greatest commandment? Mm-hmm. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and love second your neighbor is like as yourself. Yeah. Okay. So there, there you go. It's easy. We know what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to love God more. I ought to love God more. But I need to pause here for a second because loving God is not that easy. Because I can't see God. I I see you know the shadows of God, the fingerprints of God. But I don't see God. I can't hug God. I can't receive a hug from God. I'm not told every night before bed that He loves me as He tucks me in. So a, a lot of the how to practically love God more is difficult. And also, well, I'll I'll get to another part. But would you guys agree that that a lot of times when we talk about loving God, we put some religious uh, gloss on it? But the reality is, it's practically harder than we usually admit. Is that oh, the same for absolutely. you guys, or is it just me? Absolutely. Okay, so I ought to do that, but I struggle and often struggle in silence. So so then I start getting practical, and I say like, well. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So if I want to love God more, practically, all I have to do is be more obedient, and then I love God more. And that's fantastic until I realize I suck at obeying. Yeah. And and so then what do we do? We marginalize sin, right? As yeah. long as I don't uh, smoke pot or get drunk or masturbate too many times this week, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm within the zone. I'm yeah. obeying God. Yeah. But that's ridiculous. Whenever I marginalize sin to say these five things, by, that wasn't my list, by the way, in case anybody thought that was my list. Yeah. No, Okay, I know. just perfect. Yeah. Uh, whenever I marginalize sin, I'm just ignoring that I'm actually being disobedient in, uh, man, I've been really impatient, my tone of voice, the way I treat people at work or in my family. So obedience is often just my own man-made construct and if that's how I'm going about feeling better about loving God, then this really doesn't have anything to do with God. It's just me. So then I move on to the next thing because I'm struggling with obedience. I'm struggling with feeling like I'm loving God more. So I think, well, Matthew 25 says, how I love the least of his brethren is how I love him. So I just need to find a person in prison or a homeless person, somebody to do some social justice with, and then I'll feel like I love God. I just need to love other people more until I run into the fact that other people suck. <laughs> it is hard. Right. It is hard to love other people. And in, in fact, just like I marginalize sin when that is my focus, when sin management is my focus, I start to marginalize people where I simply say, uh, these are the eight people I'm going to try to love more. And I start avoiding even trying to love the people that I really don't like loving. Yeah. So again, I'm making this up and it's hard. So when in doubt, go to the Bible bookstore and find the uh the most generalized platitude that I can apply to the situation. 
I just need to be more like Jesus. I just need to answer the question, what would Jesus do? And then it'll all be better. And so I get the bracelet, I get the book cover, all that, and that's awesome. And I do think that's a great question, except for the fact that I'm not Jesus, so it's never going to work out for me quite like I hope it will, not yeah. to mention. It's it's not – let's say I see someone on the side of the road, right? And I say, what would Jesus do? Do I pick them up? Now, this is a hitchhiker. If they're not hitchhiking and I decide to pick them up, that probably makes me some kind of a serial killer. But if they're hitchhiking and I say, what would Jesus do? Would he pick them up? That's only one question. The second they get in the car, I need to ask the question again, what would Jesus say right now? However they respond, I would say, what would Jesus respond to his response to what I said when I picked him up in my car? To really ask that question is exhausting. Nobody does it. We usually just do it once and then do whatever we want to do for the following decisions. Yeah. So now if this isn't complicated enough that all the Christian duties, which by the way, I'm not saying they're bad. I think loving God is a good thing. I'm backing Jesus on this one. I think obedience is great. I think loving other people is an awesome deal. I think becoming more like Jesus is important. But I am saying that if they are my bottom line Christian autos, the stuff, uh, my duties, I'm going to really have to fake my life. Mm-hmm. So I get to the final and, and greatest statement of what my life ought to be about. Nate, what is the chief end of my life? To love God and enjoy to Him glorify forever. God glorify and enjoy God and enjoy Him, him forever. forever. There you go. Or as John Piper would say, by enjoying Him forever. So isn't that great? I should glorify God, and, and if I do that, everything will be fine. I just need to glorify God and forget the enjoy Him forever, because what the heck's that supposed to mean? Let's just glorify God. Uh, what, is, what does that usually mean for people? Like, to glorify God usually means... I'm going to make God look good by how I live my life, right? Mm-hmm. Would, would, I mean, do you guys agree that's what most people, even if they haven't thought it through, when they say, I want to glorify God, it's make God look good. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen people take the perfectionistic mindset that God only gets glory when I'm showing glory in everything that I do. And by, well, but... By saying, by showing glory in everything I do, what they're really saying is by not making any mistakes, right? Right. right. So can we pause to say that's the most disgustingly arrogant thing that has ever crept into the church? That I, a speck of dust on a speck of dust, feel that it is both my duty and I have the ability to make the omnipotent God of the universe look a little better. Yeah. That is such crap yeah it is the most degrading thing i could put on god so now let me simplify all of this actually let let i will not paul does philippians 3 he explicitly says he's only about one thing over and over he says in so many ways everything is a loss except for the surpassing greatness of knowing christ he then, a little farther down, says this, this is the one thing he wants to do is to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. And he says this is the one thing he's straining for, that he's – that's 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 what he's yeah. racing to get, to know Christ. 
so now we back up through that. If my one thing that I'm doing, if my one goal as a Christian is to know Jesus more, well, we only love things as much as we know them. We can't love them beyond what we know of them. them. Right. Yep. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. That's true. If I said to my wife, hey, honey, I've, I've been reading the Bible recently, and I'm really, I'm supposed to love you more, so I'm just going to, just so you know, I'm going to work on that. I'm really going to spend time and effort trying, because I, I need to work on this more. If that's what I tell her, now, I think working on loving my wife practically is great. But when I say that, I'm essentially saying to her, you're not actually naturally lovable. It's going to take a lot of effort. And I'm willing to put that effort in. The reality is, if I get to know my wife more and she is lovable, I will just love her. Yeah. And it's no different for God. If my main thing, like Paul, is to say, okay, forget all these other duties, loving God more will be the most natural byproduct of knowing him more. So today, God, help me in each conversation I have as I'm driving along, looking at the things you've created. As I open your word, I only want to know you more. Mm -hmm. And we could certainly get more into it, but once I know God more, uh, as I am drawing close to knowing God more and loving God more, those are the times that sin actually looks distasteful to me. Right. So obedience becomes a byproduct of knowing him more. Uh, loving other people, if I was sitting in a in that room with you guys right now that I can't picture because we're not Skyping, and it was the three of us and God sitting there, and I said, hey, God, will you introduce Mark to me? Tell me about Mark. God would start talking about Mark in in ways that, number one, Mark would be looking around the room going, he's totally not talking about me. He's mistaking me for someone else, right? We would not even believe the, the feelings and the way that God sees us. But in my heart, when God starts talking about how much he loves and what he sees in Mark, I would start feeling like it was a privilege to know this guy that God thinks so much of through the work of Christ. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So loving loving other people all of a sudden becomes my privilege if it's coming through knowing God more and not just thinking in a, again a condescending way, look at that poor least of my brethren person. I should probably throw him some kind of a spiritual bone because I am capable of that. No, instead to say, "Oh my gosh, I'm I'm getting a glimpse of what God sees. I am overwhelmed by this person." Now, who's the person who loved God more because he knew him well, was in total obedience to the Father's will because of that relationship, and loved others because of the view of the Father? Oh, that's Jesus. So if I'm doing that, I can throw away my bracelet. It's already happening. I am acting more like Jesus. And in the end, if I got a guy who wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to glorify God all day today, and by doing that, they try to make sure to bring Jesus up in every conversation and obey all the rules. And all day, that's how they try to glorify God more versus the guy that wakes up and says, hey, today I just want to know you more, Heavenly Father, my Abba. And in every conversation, the way he listens to people or talks to people, the way he interacts with his wife is only to know God more than people are going to be listened to as if you are listening for the very voice of God, whether they're a Christian or not. 
And in the end, that person will have simply reflected the person of God, and that's enough to glorify him because that person was never capable of making God look anything. So knowing God more is that central piece of the puzzle that I can throw away all those other duties and say they are awesome and they will be byproducts of my life if I know God more. So before I tie that into marriage, uh, go ahead, chime in, guys. You know, I've always been, uh, you know, I've heard that, I've read that phrase a thousand times, well, maybe hundreds of times. You know, Paul talks about the, you know, the excellency of knowing Christ. That that's the prize, just knowing Christ. Uh, and I'm I'm interested to see, Aaron, how you tie that in now to marriage, because I I I know that I have I haven't made a lot of progress on that front, other than intellectual progress kind of hyper-spiritual progress that tends to evaporate the minute I leave church. Um, yeah, so tell me how this connects to marriage, man. Jesus said, this is eternal life in John 17, his high priestly prayer, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So eternal life is happening as I engage this. Yeah. But when I look at anything in life, I... I want to ask the question, why? It doesn't have to be this way. Like, why are trees green instead of purple? Now, it might seem stupid, except by asking the question, I'm actually thinking about what what did God have in his heart and his mind and what did he value it? We did not have to be a bi-gender species. Uh, it was not necessary. Now, the smart listener, and our listeners are incredibly smart, would say, well, it's for reproduction. Oh, no. I was artificially inseminated by a worm who was asexually reproducing when I was 13 and then was mocked by my science teacher what for the rest the of the years. What the are you talking about, Aaron? I, what's that? <laughs> there, are, there are creatures <laughs> on this planet who do not need oh, a okay. male and female to All right. reproduce. Okay. All right. so, I thought, it, I thought it, you were it, telling it, me that you came from a worm in a science <laughs> lab, man. I got lost. No, no. I got uh, lost. I, I, I only handled one. Oh, so, okay. All right. Uh, that was why I'm so clear on this point, but not clear on communicating it, evidently. Okay. Uh, All right. So, so we've got men and women. We've got marriage. We've got this relationship. Well, right. let's ask the question, why? It does not need to be this way. Yeah. God chose to make men and women uh, co-image bearers of his himself, his character. Right. Yeah. And and if if eternal life of this whole thing is to know God more, then God, the great storyteller, has put me in a relationship that is has knitted my soul with another person's soul for the purpose of knowing him more. Yes. So success in marriage is not about simply I get along better with my wife. Yeah. I've made sure to have more consistent date nights. All these duty-based successes, which the church loves to inflict on us, Right. that's not the ultimate purpose. Right. The ultimate purpose is to know more, which now brings us to if every day, this is my my chief duty as a Christian, then within my marriage, if it's an amazing marriage that's just going easy, it's a sweet season, well then, 
that can help me to experience the love of the Father. But if I'm in a really hard marriage, for whatever reason, and especially when it's something like uh, a mental illness, which mental illness is so much harder to deal with than physical illness, because if a person has a broken leg, uh, right. it's obvious, we see it, we get out of the way, we're happy to build a ramp. But mental illness, because it's on the inside and I don't feel it, it's really hard, you know, six months in, one year in, for spouses to keep, you know, building a ramp down from the front steps. It's like, can't you just learn to walk yet? I don't see a problem. Yeah. But if the goal is in my life, by the end of this marriage, when I die, I want to know God more, then the hardest marriage in the world has not left God's purpose for what marriage would be. You're still in the sweet spot of how marriage can serve you in your life. So that's that's kind of the underlying foundation that I think this whole conversation, whatever the practicals come on top of that, I think that's the foundation for me to realize I need to abandon all of these other Christian duties and let them be byproducts and experience my wife as one of the greatest tools in my life for me to experience knowing God. You know, it's a... Uh... It's an it's an easier thing for me to talk about than it is for me to do. Uh, you know, Allie has had uh, battles with depression uh, since being diagnosed with cancer. It was one of the byproducts of treatment was that she was thrown into deep depression. Wow. Um, and uh, you know, when I'm accustomed to my spouse being such a uh, highly intelligent, rational, engaging, energetic, optimistic person, and that person goes away. Um, you know, I know that I spent some time fruitlessly trying to cheer her up rather than love her well, rather than get down with her in the, in the dark place and not make her feel ashamed of what she was battling. It took me some time to learn that. It gave me an appreciation more for the way she has dealt with me, and especially the way she dealt with me through 20 years of active addiction. There's this great piece of advice in the, in the, in the uh, big book to uh, partners of alcoholics. Uh, you know, it's it's in the chapter called "To the Wives," and you uh, learn how to uh, to uh, I forget the exact phrasing, but to deal with your spouse as you would deal with a sick friend. Mm. Mm. Um, learning to be uh, caring, solicitous, kind, not to take it personally, um, and. Uh, yeah, my heart goes out to this brother whose uh, wife is suffering from what, whatever this mental illness is. Mental illness tends to be uh, stigmatized in our society. Right. Um, it's tough to feel alone in your relationship where you have the sole responsibility for remaining emotionally balanced and uh, rational. 
Um, I don't know that it's possible for any of us to do this long term without the assistance of sympathetic friends. Uh, who- yeah, I would. I was guess I would add to that that how uh, he has to have sympathetic friends, but he has some ability to choose friends wisely right. for who he brings into this walk because this is an ongoing an ongoing walk and some friends the only way they know how to help uh is by basically feeling like they're basically crapping on another dude's wife to make him feel better cuz he seems so frustrated with the wife yeah and it justifies uh, a lot of hard feelings yeah. because there is going to be that roller coaster of anger and bitterness and, oh, I, I shouldn't feel that, and back to service and grace, and back to anger and bitterness, and back to service and grace. Yeah, yeah. If you think and that so, friends are always a help, read Job again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. And so with friends, it's okay to to really think through, this is what I need my friends to be when I am on this roller coaster, and to straight up ask them to say, when I am feeling this or acting like this, will you please remind me of these things? So instead of looking for a friend that already comes prepackaged with all the right words, it's okay to hand them a script yeah, and, and say, Here, here's basically what I need you to convince me of when I'm feeling stupid. Mark, what thoughts is this uh, triggering in your mind? Well, I'll, I'll never forget sitting in a conference. Uh, remember, I, I spent 13 years of my life in family ministry. And so mm-hmm. every day we dealt with marriage and, and parenting issues. I'll never forget sitting in a conference and the speaker was going over the threats to marriage. Yeah. And he had five threats. Mm-hmm. And he pounded away at the first four. And, and I was sitting there in, in a room, in, in a ballroom, in a hotel in Washington, D.C. with over 2,000 people. Yeah. And every time he'd name the next threat, you'd see the heads nod and you'd hear, mm, 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 and you see people scribbling notes. And he got to the fifth threat and he said, selfishness is by far the greatest threat to marriage. Yeah. And nobody hummed and hawed. <laughs> nobody nodded. The room became about as quiet as a tomb. Yeah. And, I've thought about that moment many, many times, but more than that, I've thought about selfishness and how mm-hmm. selfish I can be. Yeah. Um, uh, my first wife had great chronic physical illness, mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to be servant-hearted. I wanted to lay down my life, all the all the things that we talk about, mm-hmm. and uh, my martyr meter would go off. Yeah, sure. Because I was selfish. We mentioned martyrdom before. And a martyr meter sounds like me, 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 me. <laughs> and, uh, right. uh, but, you know, it gets exhausting. And I think about the brother who wrote this question and how, how tired he must be of dealing with it. Yeah. Because he's going, when it, at some level, maybe he's much holier than I was and am because, I, you know, my selfishness has reared its ugly head in my second marriage, too. But, um, yeah. you know, when are my needs going to be met? Yeah. When when am I going to be loved, or when am I going to be respected, or when am I going to be cared for? And I have found in my life those questions to be toxic, mm. and I have found it much much harder in my life to. Uh, I will run in front of a car. I will I will charge down the hallway to meet the intruder in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will do those things to lay down my life for my wife, but. 
will I do the everyday stuff? Yeah. Will I make sure that, you know, the medicine is refilled on time? Will I, yeah. will I provide faithfully? Will I, will I do all the hard things and face all the hard crap that's going on in my life? Yeah. Uh, will I make sure that we've got counsel yeah. around us? Uh, or else am I going to let selfishness rear its head and, and rule? And uh, it is so hard. It is so stinking hard to not, for me at least, yeah. to not be selfish. Well, it's probably because you haven't found the perfect woman. <laughs> if you, just, you, you just need to trade her in and find the soulmate that God made for you. Because if you find the right person... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and in case the uh, the olfactory devices are not working through people's internet, I can smell the sarcasm from here. Let the listener beware. Just scratch your there's, iPhone and you'll smell there, it. Yeah, right. There's a really a fine line here uh, between losing hope and having right expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope is so important in life and in marriage it's the way god wired us yeah that hope is one of the big three as far as what's going to remain faith hope and love so me losing hope that things will ever get better is not healthy for me mentally or spiritually right however if i uh was married to a person that was a quadriplegic well, my expectations of how that was going to look for the rest of my life would be different. And I think when we are muddling through our marriage and waiting for it to get better, when possibly this, is, uh, this could be a kind of illness that it might have cycles of good and bad, but those cycles might continue for the rest of your life. Yeah. Now, I know that sounds like a hopeless thing to say, but it might just be reality. Mm-hmm. And so do I think that, uh, you know, I was talking to a, a disabled friend of mine two days ago. And he knows this is the rest of his life. He's disabled, but he finds lots of joy. He's a very joyful person. Yeah. And yet he doesn't experience the ease of life that I do. Right. Well, if you are in a marriage that is hard and your path is to know God more through a difficult marriage, whatever that means, take sickness off the table. Maybe you're just in a hard marriage. Maybe you're just married to a hard woman. Um, okay. If that's your reality, then you got to figure out how, like my disabled friend, he can say, this is my life, but there's lots of joy to be had and I will not lose hope. But I will look at this realistically and not just think, I'm going to get through until I find the right counselor who will have exactly the right word that will fix this. Because then every time it doesn't happen, you lose hope and it it damages your soul. Does that that make sense? It it does. And let me say something about hope. Uh, I moped around for the first couple of years in recovery feeling hopeless. And wondering, you know, I, I just need hope. God, give me hope. And uh, I made the decision to read through the Bible in a year and got to Romans. And I, I don't know how many times I've heard this passage or heard it preached, but it smacked me in the face. It's in Romans 5. Uh, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. 
and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Oh, that sounds good. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, (laughs) knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And what I realized is I wanted the process to work in the other way. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying grace does not exist. I'm not saying that God does not bring hope and God is not with us and walking with us and that he is our hope. I Not only had I lost hope with a small, small age, I was not allowing God to be my hope with a capital H. But what I realized that maybe what Paul was pointing out here in life, I wanted the reverse. I wanted hope so that I could have character. Oh, yeah. And I wanted the character so I could persevere. Oh, wow. And I wanted the perseverance so I could uh, withstand the tribulations that were coming my way. Mm-hmm. And what Paul is saying here is that the process works in, in our lives and the way that God works in our lives is the other direction. And wow. I, I, I was taught as a child to you know, not you know, throw Bibles across the room, but boy, did I want to Yeah. Um, in that. But hope, hope is so important, and uh, um, we can lose hope, but don't, don't, don't ever lose sight of the fact that God is our hope, and he is with you. He is with you when you struggle. He's with you when you cry. He's with you in those moments where you've just been screaming at each other because is it ever going to get better? He is there, and he is, he is your hope, and allow him to work in the way that he works and the way that he molds us into the image of his son and and hope with a small h will come beautifully beautifully put mark thank you well i i think that's a good spot to uh, to end that conversation yeah i don't know if it's going to get any better than that awesome well we'll be back for some final thoughts in a moment here on the pirate Mode podcast You've tried it all in your search for the truth. Somehow you've fallen for a lie. Trying to recall the simple ways of your youth. When your faith is strong and you never, never question why. You found out life wasn't easy Sometimes the answers were hard to see You didn't have the strength for one more try Yeah. 
answers lie where your faith begins It's there you'll find the strength for one more try To our final short segment. Oh, it's two short segment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. This has been some heavy conversations today. I don't know. Uh, I hope it was encouraging to uh, to you guys in your marriage. I really do. I love marriage. I think it's such a gift from God, um, and I don't think it's ever simple. Do I get an amen from the other pirates? Amen. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I'm so I'm so grateful. I, I really am so grateful for my marriage, and um, I know that God is it. it, it, it anyway, God's at work. Yes. Hey, by the way, let's uh, remind folks of the uh, Samson retreat that's coming up in August at the beautiful Bear Trap Ranch in Pikes National Forest outside of, uh, in the mountains above Colorado Springs, just God's country up there. We're going to have a wonderful three days together, uh, August uh, 19th, 20th, and 21st 
David Hampton, my Silas, is coming along. Mark's going to be there. Aaron's going to be there. I think Newton's coming. Yep. Uh, we're going to talk about what happens after the miracle. Uh, expectations are going to be a big topic. We're going to see if we can straighten, get our heads on a little straighter, get our hearts on a little straighter, make some connections, learn some things about how to improve the quality uh, of life for us and those we love going ahead. Uh, so, Mark, uh, where are people going to find details about the retreat? You can register at piratemonkpodcast.com. There's a link there on the homepage, piratemonkpodcast.com. We'll also have information on Facebook to let you click over. Uh, there's a, a way for you to read more about it, to uh, see the schedule and your expectations, uh, to pay for uh, your registration as well uh, there in the portal. So go to piratemonkpodcast.com and click on After the Miracle and you'll have all the details uh, waiting for you right there. Uh, okay. Well, thank thank you for joining us uh, on another episode, another honest conversation among brothers who care about each other. Uh, you know, this is no substitute for real flesh and blood Christian fellowship. We understand that some of you who listen uh, don't have at present uh, a way to connect with other brothers. I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast and this is kind of your virtual uh, substitute for fellowship, don't abandon the search for brothers. As badly as you need another fresh flesh and blood brother, There's there are other guys out there who need you as well. My advice is be as vulnerable as you can be. Lead with weakness. Make yourself safe. Because uh, there's another lost guy out there who uh, needs you as badly as you need him. And uh, until next time, I guess, I'm Nate. I'm Mark. I'm Aaron. Yep, and we're your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, Cafe and Junior, baby. Preaching recovery.